All right, what is up, everyone? This is episode three, season two of Truth in Love. Yes, that's right. We just went over the first two episodes, season two, on FEMA, and now we're going to talk about the executive orders. Some we haven't mentioned, but most of them we have mentioned. We are going to go into, of course, but... The information that we're getting from, we credit the American Presidency Project, which actually shows for a fact the executive orders. Okay, There's other sources that have the executive orders established and written out, but this is the best source that we were able to collect the executive orders from. Um, even though we did our research on different uh, authors and researchers and other institutions that actually had this information really led back to that it was basically the same. This was just very, very organized under the American Presidency Project. It has more than just the executive order documents. It has everything about the president's Specifically, there are documents besides the executive orders. But for the executive orders, uh, we are going to talk about 10421, which was written and signed by President Truman. And then we also have Executive Order 10990, which was written and signed by JFK. And of course, we have Executive Order 12127, which was written and signed by President Carter. Now, as for the executive orders, presidents don't always have it worded out themselves. They have someone do the wording for them, a legal expert, but they're the authors to the legal expert on what is bestowed upon the executive order. But of course, we're going to talk about long-term generational wealth at the end. Before we start this episode, we're actually going to talk about the Declaration of Independence that gives us our rights besides the Constitution and the amendments. Without further ado, when in the course of human events, it becomes necessary for one people to dissolve the political bands which have connected them with another and to assume among the powers of the earth the separate and equal station to which the laws of nature and of nature's God entitle them, a descent or a decent respect to the opinions of mankind requires that they should declare the causes which impel them to the separation. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator, with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. That to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed. And with that being said, of course, we are the American public in control of how the American public 
and the government works. But we're going to go in, of course, into how the executive orders really do instill so much power and control over the nation. Now, there is a 1983 annual report document from FEMA on the ready. We've already discussed before that FEMA was on the ready about a couple different times. One was under George H. W. Bush, as well as Reagan, if I'm not mistaken. But that was after the executive orders were established. And every time that FEMA was standing by for all these executive orders to be signed by a president, never happened, especially with how so many presidents are connected to the New World Order under the illustrious council. With that being said, let's go talk about Executive Order 10421. It says it's providing for physical security facilities important to the national defense, or is what is really perceived Physical force provided for facilities. <laughs> for facilities. <laughs> All right. By virtue of the authority vested in me by the Constitution and statutes, and as President of the United States, it is hereby ordered as follows. Section 1. A. The word facilities means those government-owned and privately-owned plants, mines, facilities, including buildings, occupied in whole or in part by any federal agency, materials, products, and processes, and those government-provided and privately-provided services, which are of importance to defense mobilization, defense production, or the essential civilian economy, and are located or provided in the in the continental United States, or in the territories or possessions of the United States, provided that the Chairman of the National Security Resources Board may, upon proper notice to affected federal agencies, from time to time, amend the foregoing definition of facilities with respect to any or all parts of this order, as he shall deem to be compatible with the purposes of this order. Okay, basically that means the government, with the say-so of the chairman of the National Security Resources Board, will be able to deem what building, whether government or civilian-owned, is dictated by this individual through FEMA when, they're, when these executive orders are signed in. However... This was just the start because this was President Truman and this was not FEMA being established, nor was it ever at all putting in power of different sectors of the United States under FEMA power, that this was just the step forward first that they did. As the earliest executive order that we've found so far, this one is the earliest. Now... That was letter A of section 1. Letter B says the term physical security means security against sabotage, espionage, and other hostile activity and other destructive acts and omissions, but excludes security attributable to operations of military defense or combat 
and excludes also activities with respect to the dispersal and post-attack rehabilitation of facilities. Letter C, the word chairman means the chairman of the National Security Resources Board, which is what is going to be meant throughout the executive order. And section two says, with a view toward the maintenance of essential production and the security of the United States, to the extent permitted by law and subject to the provisions of this order, federal agencies shall develop and execute programs and measures for the physical security of facilities within the cognizance of such agencies, respectively. Okay, what that means is that it's just the maintenance and the provision, so the management overall, the overseers, is section two. Section three. Letter A says, in addition to carrying out the functions conferred upon him by law, the chairman shall supervise and bring into harmonious action the programs and measures referred to in section two of this order. More particularly, the chairman shall, from time to time, prescribe policies and programs governing the activities of federal agencies with respect to the physical security of facilities including the activities involved in carrying out Section 4A here of respecting security ratings. That's number one. That's job number one of the chairman. Okay. So, that means Section 4, letter A, says the Secretary of Commerce shall from time to time establish and transmit to the chairman security ratings of facilities, based on the relative importance thereof to defense mobilization, defense production, and essential civilian economy. All right, so they, this basically means that the person that oversees the money from time to time has to let the chairman know about those funds and where they're going, about what's happening. So control over the finances. Now going back to section number three, letter B, number two, says, with the advice and assistance of appropriate federal agencies, develop and pro promulgate, <laughs> promulgate, excuse me, <laughs> standards of physical security to be applicable to facilities, which standards shall, as far as practicable, <laughs> Practicable, accommodate differences in degrees and types of physical security required. Different categories of facilities, different security ratings, and such other considerations as may be pertinent. Now, what that means is that, is that the proper accommodation, how they see fit on how many troops they are able to place at a facility when um, federal agencies come to the chairman. Number three, section three says, assign facilities to federal agencies insofar as deemed practicable by the chairman on the basis of the interests and general cognizance of agencies for the performance by such agencies of the following functions subject to the direction of the chairman. 
A, the furnishing of advice to the management or owner of a facility with respect to developing and administering the physical security program thereof. B, in the consultation with the management of owner of a facility and other technically qualified persons, the development of physical security measures for such facility and when necessary, the authorization of standards of physical security thereof, which differ from the standards prescribed under section 3B2 hereof. Letter C of number three says, such supervision as may be appropriate of the application of physical security measures to assign facilities. D, the furthering by other measures designed or designated by the chairman of the physical security of assigned facilities. And E, the appraisal of the adequacy and efficiency of the physical security measures taken. Basically, number three is stating that they get to direct how things are done. Number four of section three, approved to revise security ratings established under section 4A hereof and transmit the security ratings so approved or revised to agencies assigned facilities under section 3B3 hereof. The chairman may make any approved or revised security rating available to federal agencies other than the agency to which a facility concerned is assigned for such uses related to the maintenance of production or the national security of as the chairman may approve. This is just saying that the chairman has control of how good or bad the security looks for a certain place. This is a perception thing that could be used to deter when people are trying to attack a certain stronghold or a facility. Number five this is section three says review the physical security programs and measures of federal agencies as to effectiveness and as to conformity with the policies and directives of the chairman under this order. This is just basic maintenance is what they're saying of overseeing the entirety of the objectives. Number six of Section 3, obtain from federal agencies reports, recommendations, and information deemed by the chairman to be essential to the discharge of his responsibilities under this order. Meaning all documentation is going to be confiscated by the chairman one way or another that they deem is worthy enough to be reported and others not to be reported. Kind of like uh, falsifying information is what it's putting itself towards. Number seven, consult with federal agencies having responsibilities related to functions set forth in this order for the purpose of furthering coordination of policies and activities and develop and report to the president concerning programs which properly relate the physical security of facilities and other measures designed to maintain and restore essential pr productive capability, meaning that the chairman gets to decide how the president gets to hear what's really going on or not. This is what it boils down to, being an advisory to the president based upon this. Okay? And now, remember, this is just providing the for the physical security of facilities important to the national defense. So this is how they're controlling it one way.
Number eight says make available or cause to be made available to federal agencies such of the information developed in connection with carrying out section 4A hereof as the chairman deems to be needed by those agencies in connection with the physical security of facilities or other aspects of the maintenance of production. This again states, one way or another, we're getting our information and it's going to happen. Number nine, keep the president informed as may be necessary concerning the matters encompassed by this order and furnish him such recommendations as may be appropriate. Basically saying, when it's best appropriate, (laughs) when they pull the strings, then they play the people. So, number 10 says, consistent with law, establish such advisory bodies as the chairman may deem necessary to assist him in carrying out his functions under this order. Hey, that means delegating those people to where he best sees them. Section 4. Letter A says, the Secretary of Commerce. This is what we already went over, but we're going over again. Secretary of Commerce shall from time to time establish and transmit to the chairman security ratings of facilities based on the relative importance thereof to defense mobilization, defense production, and essential civilian economy. Letter B. In carrying out Section 4A hereof, the Secretary of Commerce shall consult with federal agencies as may be appropriate. Letter C. So letter B is just pretty It's straightforward where it says that they will talk to the federal agencies as to what will be discussed with the president. Letter C. To the extent necessary for the performance of functions under Section 4A thereof, or hereof, federal agencies which have or can best obtain data on plant locations, plant capacities, production, service industries, technical processes, and production requirements, and other similar information shall make available to the Secretary of Commerce such data and information. In the event of any disagreement with respect to making data or information available under the Section 4C, the Chairman shall resolve such disagreement and the decision of the Chairman shall be final. Basically, Section 4, Letter C says the Chairman gets to say whatever he wants. doesn't matter what you think, say, or do. Who cares? The Chairman has a final say. How about that for an executive order on that? (laughs) Gets to change things around, gets to do what he wants, and gets to say how he gets to say things. Alright, letter D of section 4 says, The Industry Evaluation Board is continued and shall, to such extent and in such manner as the Secretary of Commerce may direct, assist the Secretary in carrying out the functions of the Secretary under section 4A hereof. The secretary, with approval of the chairman, may from time to time after the composition of the said board. There is hereby terminated the now existing presidentially approved assignment of functions to the said board. Meaning, now that the president has been removed out of the picture, the chairman, with the board, has the final say-so over what happens. (laughs) Talk about sneaky, sneaky. Section 5 only states, Each federal procurement agency which obtains in connection with its procurement contracts agreements requiring contractors to provide physical security measures for their facilities shall provide in such agency for the review of such agreements. 
The purpose of such review shall be to assure conformity of the physical security measures required by the agreements with the standards prescribed under Section 3B2 hereof. Basically, Section 5 enforces both parties that have to follow through this executive order. Section 6, letter A, says the Facilities Protection Board is transferred to the jurisdiction of the chairman. Existing arrangements concerning the physical location of an administrative support for the board may be continued. Meaning, the elites get to take over with the chairman and a board, and if additional advisory is needed, they'll add to it. Letter B of Section 6 says, The Facilities Protection Board shall hereafter consist of one representative of each of the following agencies, namely the Departments of Defense, Commerce, Interior, and Labor, the Atomic Energy Commission, the Federal Civil Defense Administration, and such other agencies as the chairman may from time to time designate. Each such representative shall be designated by the head of the agency he is to represent. Each person who is now a member of the board may continue as a member without the necessity of redesignation by reason of this order. The chairman of the National Security Resources Board shall from time to time designate from among the members of the board a chairman of the Facilities Protection Board. Okay, this means that the Department of Defense, the DOD, Department of Commerce, Interior, Labor, Atomic Energy Commission, Federal Civil Defense Administration are the first, first few going on even further, adding into the fact of those others, agencies that they deem acceptable, will be put on the board, and upon this, each person is now being a member of the board that has to really just do as what they're told, is what it's stating. It's saying, we've come in, we've taken over, we can do what we want, and we can kick you out if we want. And letter C of section 6 says the board shall assist and advise the chairman in carrying out the functions vested in him by this order. There is hereby terminated the now existing presidentially approved assignment of functions to the board. Basically saying here's more power to the chairman and the board. Again, this is going to go back into FEMA. Section 7, letter A, says the programs and measures provided for in this order with respect to the physical security of facilities shall be supplementary to and not in substitution for similar or related activities carried on by state and local authorities and by private enterprise. This order shall not be deemed to place in the federal government the primary responsibility for the physical security of privately owned facilities or the facilities owned by any state, any political subdivision of any state, or any intergovernmental body. Okay, I know it kind of sounds confusing there, but this is what it says. That we can come in sneaky-like, whether to a government agency or a private corporation or a private enterprise, does not matter. We can come in and we have the right to be there, not to be as a substitution for what's going on, but to become a part of it, meaning to literally envelop upon what's already there and corrupt it into 
this dictatorship, this technocracy, as people are putting it today. Letter B of Section 7 says this order shall not be deemed to govern activities with respect to the post-attack immediately, essential emergency repair, or restoration of damaged vital facilities. Okay, 64 stat 1247, as well as 50 USC app 2252B. This is part of a file. Except that the Federal Civil Defense Administration and the Chairman shall affect appropriate coordination of the said activities and functions carried out under this order. All right. So this is part of the Chairman and the Board that are able to coordinate where they want to at any given time. Letter C, Section 7 this order shall not extend to any facility of or under the cognizance of the Atomic Energy Commission, except those parts of any such facility which are not excuse me, which are not the responsibility of the said commission. All right, so that basically means I know it kind of sounds confusing with some of the stuff that even though Atomic Energy Commission is a part of the board. They're saying that even if anything that is not a part of the facility, they're not taking responsibility for it, then the chairman and the board is really going to pick it up and claim it, even though it's from Atomic Energy Commission. Uh, this order shall not extend to federally owned military posts, camps, stations, arsenals, or other comparable facilities under military control. The chairman may exclude part, or partly or wholly from the operation of this order any other facility under the cognizance of the Department of Defense, except that the department shall advise and consult with the chairman concerning the physical security of any facility so excluded. The provisions of this order shall not be deemed to apply to military defense or combat, except that the chairman and the security of defense shall effect appropriate coordination of the functions carried out under this order and of operations of military defense or combat-affecting facilities. This means that the chairman is now taking over more of the military, actually having more power in on the Department of Defense. Yeah. And letter E says, Nothing in this order shall be deemed to confer on any federal agency investigative functions exercised by any federal agency represented in the interdepartmental intelligence conference or to alter or modify any function of the said conference. Meaning that nothing can alter once this is established. Nothing can alter what's been transpired. Letter F says nothing in this order shall be deemed to affect the responsibilities now assigned to the interdepartmental committee on internal security except that there shall be governed by this order. A, the Facilities Protection Board and the Industry Evaluation Board and their functions and supervision. B, the prescription of standards of physical security of facilities. C, the making of security ratings respecting facilities. And D, the assignment of facilities to federal agencies for the performance by them of physical security functions and the conduct by the said agencies of physical security functions respecting facilities assigned to them respectively. Signed, Harry S. Truman, The White House, December 31st, 1952. All right, so letter F of that last section, section 7, 
All right. What that basically said is that it won't take effect until it does. When it's signed in, that, which goes along with FEMA, that once it takes effect, you can't stop it. There's no way it can be stopped. So, how does that relate into the other executive orders? Well, so glad you asked, because as we're going over Executive Order 10990, reestablishes the Federal Safety Council. Oh, what is that? The board? Huh. They just changed names is all. February 2nd, 1962, whereas Section 33C of the Federal Employees' Compensation Act, as amended 5 U.S.C. 784, declared it to be the purpose of the Congress to reduce the number of accidents and injuries among government officers and employees, encourage safe practices, eliminate work hazards and health risks, and reduce compensable injuries. Compensable injuries, excuse me. And whereas Section 35 of that Act, as amended, 5 U.S.C. 785, further disclosed the interest of the Congress in the promotion of safety in federal agencies and establishments. And whereas the Federal Employees' Compensation Act, as amended and as modified by Reorganization Plan Number 19 of 1950, here and after referred to as the Act, directs the heads of government, departments, and agencies to develop, support, and foster organized safety promotion, and to keep such records of injuries and accidents to persons covered by the Act, and to make such statistical and other reports upon such forms as the Secretary of Labor may prescribe. Okay. Secretary of Labor has control of this now, of what's happening with government employees. Okay, and whereas the preponderance of accidents involving employees in the federal service occur in field operations, the heads of executive departments and agencies, okay, and through them, their supervisory staffs, including regional and field staffs, must exert leadership in the establishment of a sound accident prevention program at both the national and regional level. And... All right. This is meaning they don't take any liability if anything happens to their people. Whereas representatives of federal employees should share a similar concern for the establishment of, of such programs, but they're also stating in, on the paper, but you need to take caution. <laughs> so they're putting it in there just so that way they lessen that liability. But states, whereas the president is authorized by the act to establish by executive order, a safety council composed of representatives of government departments and agencies to serve as an advisory body to the Secretary of Labor in furtherance of the safety program carried out by the secretary pursuant to, to Section 33 of the act and to undertake such other measures as he deems proper to prevent injuries and accidents to persons covered by the act. That there states is the establishment of the executive order only when signed. Now, therefore, by virtue of the authority vested in me by Section 33C of the Act and as President of the United States, it is hereby ordered as follows. Okay, so here 
is where it's signed in and going forward. So section one says establishment of council. Okay, this is what the establishment of the council is going to be like. There is hereby established in the Department of Labor the Federal Safety Council, here and after, referred to as the council. Huh. <laughs> Illustrious council, the council. The council shall be composed of a chairman to be designated by the Secretary of Labor and one qualified representative of each of the several executive departments and agencies and of the municipal government of the District of Columbia, here and after referred to as members. The heads of the departments and agencies of the Board of Commissioners of the District of Columbia shall designate the members representing them, respectively, and may also designate suitable alternate members. The Secretary of Labor may, as he deems appropriate, appoint representatives of national or international unions having federal employees as members to serve as consultants to the various committees established by the Council. The chairman, members, alternate members, and consultants shall serve as such without compensation from the United States. But here they fit in that little, little section right there that people don't really look at. The Secretary of Labor may, as he deems appropriate, appoint representatives of national or international unions, meaning we can bring in foreigners to completely destroy and dismantle this country with this signed in. Hmm. That's a conspiracy right there. <laughs> Having people come in and be, be a part of the established council and they're not even a U.S. citizen. You call that a legal executive order? They made it legal somehow. Section 2. Purpose and Functions of Council. The council shall serve in an advisory capacity to the Secretary of Labor in matters relating to the safety of civilian employees of the federal government and the municipal government of the District of Columbia and the furtherance of the safety program carried out by the Secretary pursuant to Section 33 of the Act. It shall advise the Secretary of Labor with respect to the development and maintenance of adequate and effective safety organizations and programs in the several departments and agencies of the federal government and the municipal government of the District of Columbia, and with respect to criteria, standards, and procedures designed to eliminate work hazards and health risks and to prevent injuries and accidents in federal employment. Basically says that the council can tell the Secretary of Labor what to do. Secretary of Labor can't question anything about it. Section 3 is the council affiliates, committees, and officers. The council shall include as an integral part of its organizational structure and operations such affiliates hereafter established by the council or now existing in such manner and to such extent as it deems necessary properly and efficiently to perform its functions. The council shall establish such committees and may choose such offers, or excuse me, such officers other than its chairman, as it finds necessary to carrying out its functions. So besides the chairman, there will be force used with the council, its affiliates, its committees, and officers in order to make sure this is enforced. Section 4, Regulations. 
The Secretary of Labor shall prescribe appropriate regulations governing the activities and functions of the Council. So, even though the Secretary of Labor will so-called put these regulations around the Council, regulations will not be laws, so the Council will make it look like they're following these regulations, but really they won't be. Because regulations are guidelines. Laws are not Laws are rules, regulations are guidelines. Section 5. Administrative and budgetary arrangements. The Secretary of Labor shall make available necessary office space and furnish the council necessary equipment, supplies, and staff services. Meaning they get to supply them as much as they deem necessary or really want, want to. Section 6. Continuity. The Federal Safety Council established by this order shall be deemed to constitute continuation of the Federal Safety Council heretofore existing under the provisions of Executive Order Number 10194 of December 19th, 1950. Okay. We're going to go into 10194 a little bit later. Not on this episode. We're just talking about this specifically. But the last section, Section 7, Revocation, Executive Order Number 10194 of December 19th, 1950, is hereby superseded. So that's the reason why we're not going to go into Executive Order 10194, because uh, some of these we are going to mention and talk about, but we're going to go over the ones that actually are enforced, so that way it makes sense, instead of being like, I thought this Executive Order was enacted and enforced here. No, no, no. So we're going to talk about what is actually going to matter and what won't. So, that being said, going on to the last executive order. Executive order 12127. All right. That last one was by JFK. Signed February 2nd, 1962. If I did not say that. But... For Executive Order 12127, was signed on March 31st, 1979. Federal Emergency Management Agency. This is by President Jimmy Carter. So all you Jimmy Carter fans out there, get prepared to get whacked with the awakening pill. (laughs) Take a hit of that red pill, blue pill while you're at it. Anyway, by the authority vested in me as president, uh, by the Constitution of the Laws of the United States of America, including Section 304 of Reorganization Plan Number 3 of 1978, and in order to provide for the orderly activation of the Federal Emergency Management Agency, it is hereby ordered as follows. 1-101, Reorganization Plan Number 3 of 1978, 43 FR 41943 which establishes the Federal Emergency Management Agency, provides for the transfer of functions and the transfer of abolition of agencies agencies and offices is hereby effective. So this is where it's in stating that FEMA is now the chairman and the board. Section 1-102. The director of the Office of Management and Budget shall, in accord with Section 302 of the Reorganization Plan, provide for all appropriate transfers 
including those transfers related to all the functions transferred from the Department of Commerce, the Department of Housing and Urban Development, and the President, meaning the Director of the Office of Management and Budget needs to provide the transfers of everything happening. Making sure everything goes through and processes smoothly. Now we have section 1-103. We have letter A and letter B. So letter A states the functions tr transferred from the Department of Comfort, excuse me, Commerce are those vested in the Secretary of Commerce, the Administrator and Deputy Administrator of the National Fire Prevention and Control Administration, now the United States Fire Administration, Section 2A of Public Law 95-422, and the Superintendent of the National Academy for Fire Prevention and Control pursuant to the Federal Fire Prevention and Control Act of 1974, as amended, 15 U.S.C. 221 et sequence, but not including any functions vested by the amendments made, by, made to other acts by Sections 18 and 23 of that act, 15 U.S.C. 278-F, and 1511. The functions vested in the administrator by sections 24 and 25 of that act as added by sections 3 and 4 of public law 95-422 which is 15 USC 2220 and 2221 are not transferred to the director of the Federal Emergency Management Agency. Those functions are transferred with the administrator and remain vested in him. Okay. What this means is that there are parts of the law that have been already taken out that are not to the director of FEMA, but to the administrator of FEMA. All right, the administrator has control over function, over functioning of FEMA. Okay, that's letter A. Letter B says there was also transferred from the Department of Commerce, any function concerning the emergency broadcast system which was transferred to the Secretary of Commerce by Section 5B of Reorganization Plan Number 1 of 1977, which is 42 FR 56101, implemented by Executive Order Number 12046 of March 27, 1978, Section 203 of the plan. Okay. This means... Any additional transferred data from the Department of Commerce? Section 1-104. The functions transferred from the Department of Housing and Urban Development are those vested in the Security, or excuse me, the Secretary of Housing and Urban Development pursuant to Section 15, Section E, of the Federal Flood Insurance Act of 1956, as amended 42 U.S. United States Code 2414, Section E, and the National Flood Insurance Act of 1968 as amended, and the Flood Disaster Protection Act of 1973 as amended, 42 U.S. Code 4001 at sequence, and Section 520, Section B, of the National Housing Act as amended, 12 United States Code 1735D Delta, excuse me, 1735D Section B to the extent necessary to borrow from the Treasury to make payments for reinsured and directly insured losses and Title 12 of the National Housing Act as amended 
12 United States Code 1749 BBB et sequence, and as explained in Section 1 of the National Insurance Development Act of 1975, Section 1 of Public Law 94-13 at 12 United States Code 1749 BBB note, Section 202 of the plan. All right, so basically what this means is that all the functioning of the money gets to be moved whenever and however. So the functions transferred from the Department of Housing and Urban Development to the Secretary of Housing and Urban De Development for taking care of any kind of financing. And we have Section 1-105 says the functions transferred from the President are those concerning the emergency broadcast system, which are transferred to the President by Section 5 of Reorganization Plan Number 1, 1977, 42 FR 56101, implemented by Executive Order Number 12046 of March 27th, 1978, Section 203 of the plan. Okay, this means that all the functions are transferred from, from the President to FEMA. And then the last section, or the last Section 1-106 says, This order shall be effective Sunday, April 1st, 1979. Sign President Jiminy, Jiminy Carter. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Sign President Jimmy Carter. Yes. Jimmy Carter made FEMA legal. Which is a total travesty. And this isn't the designated amount of time that they state on how long they hold this power. It just says, however long for the emergency. This is just it so far. But we wanted to show the fact of Executive Order 10421, which is physical force provided for facilities. Then there's also 10990, or 10421, which went to Truman. And then 10990, which was JFK, reestablished Federal Safety Council. And then we had... Executive Order 12127 we just went over, which is establishing FEMA by President Jimmy Carter. So these are three very important executive orders we had to discuss and go over. And then we're going to go over other executive orders. Some of them are super long that we do have to cover. Some of them are short, like these few here. That being said, we are going to take a short break. We are going to go ahead, come back with that economic... Patterns of the Elite for a Long-Term Generational Wealth Building. Stay tuned. All right, welcome back, everyone. I do appreciate everyone listening in to this awesome free information that we always provide to everyone. And, of course, before we talk about our... Long-term generational wealth building, we have to have our disclaimer that we are not licensed financial advisors. We are not licensed attorneys. We are not licensed asset protection specialists. We are not licensed tax attorneys, and we are not licensed tax accountants. So if you have anything that has to do with any specialized area of your finances, please talk to your specialist. They will take care of that for you. We are just here to save you time on learning how to learn the concepts, so that way you can Get this moving faster and move on forward.
Of course, without further ado, we're going to go ahead and talk about Freedom Bank Virginia. Okay, we talked about them a few weeks back, and their stock symbol, their, excuse me, their stock symbol is FDVA. So F for freedom, DVA, don't understand why the D is there, but that's how it is. Now, it is the same $7.25 a share that it was a few weeks back, okay? Now, as their court Q2 results report came back, is that a 54.4% year-over-year average, all right? So again, these are long-term generational wealth stocks. These are ones that you hold for well over a year. These are when you profit off of the economic patterns of peaks and valleys. So the highs and lows, you profit off of those, collect upon it for your long-term generational wealth. So you pay the long-term capital gains tax instead of short-term capital gains tax. Okay, you also want to do this with tax-free wealth stocks, which is ETFs. Those are the only stocks that are tax-free wealth, exchange-traded funds in stock form. Now, here is what we're going to need to do when it comes to, as we talked about salutations yesterday, and we need to move on from that and have some sort of knowing of which side we're on. What we need to do is, when we're addressed, we need to create a form of festival. Now, what does that mean, a form of festival? Well, it's simple. It means that you need to show your spirit. Instead of being so attached to the system and how people expect to think of you how you are going to act. And we're not talking about like think of, thinking of you acting in a good or bad way. If your intentions are bad, then yeah, you know, people are going to look at it bad. But when your intentions are good, all right? And when you show your spirit through it, it doesn't mean that people have to be thinking that's how it is and that's how it has been how it always will be no you can be interpreting it differently so that way you create your authenticity again we're here for building long-term generational wealth which is your physical spiritual emotional mental your your physical emotional mental Spiritual, financial, yeah. <laughs> right. So building all five of those is necessary. Not just your financial side. Financial side, that's a part. That's not the whole. Your whole is all those all those five. Okay. So with that being said, we're gonna go into uh center uh center for financial stability. We're gonna talk about them because uh the more so recent article 
It came out a month or two ago, I believe, or I'm, excuse me, came out last month. <laughs> yes, came out at the end of last month. And just as the media has gotten rid of the experts from hospitals, the feds, the Federal Reserve, has gotten rid of the experts from Center for Financial Stability, CFS Divisia. Here, here's what they quote. In response to the crisis, the Federal Reserve engineered the largest surge of its balance sheet since the founding of the Fed in 1913. For instance, the Fed's high-powered money or monetary base expanded by nearly 400% from the peak to trough over a period of six years. 400% in six years? How do you do that? How do you increase so much? 400% on your balance. That's insanity. And these are the people that are providing the data and analytics. Quoting on the CFS, quite simply, had CFS Divisia been part of the dashboard of these economists, emphasis on inflation and currency debasement might have been muted, or at a minimum, the threat would have been pushed into the future. Meaning, what CFS Divisia would have been even better than what the Federal Reserve is talking about now. Which all goes to show, as a fact, that all the big brand names that are out there are not holding on to real numbers. They're not holding on to the facts. They're just selling stories. That's all they do. They sell emotions. They sell emotional stories with no facts. And... Literally, they take in those facts that were originally there, completely change them into fake facts, and take out the real facts and shred those up. It's what has been done for so many years, for decades, for centuries, (laughs) thousands of years it's been going on. Technology, what we have, has just enhanced it. But, of course, we're not going to leave you hanging without a awesome book to go along with staying tuned in. So for this book, we have 1984 by George Orwell. Yes, if you have not read that book, you can easily download it for free on your phone from Google uh, or as well as... um, I'm actually using it right now. (laughs) It's actually called Duck, Duck, Go. Using Duck, Duck, Go actually limits who can really see what you're looking at. Now, it doesn't get past the illustrious council. They see everything that's put out there. But it does limit the view of anyone else except for the IIA technology. So, go watch the video. It's actually called What They Don't Want You to See, or uh, What They Don't Want You to Know. It's by Millie Weaver. There, there, there's one on BitChute, and there's one on her site. And I also downloaded a copy 
off from YouTube before it was taken off of YouTube. So that way, because that happened, got it in time, works great. Tested it a couple times, still works great. Now, we always leave off the episode understanding and acknowledging that those people that bring this information forward from what we go over are Christians and understand that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior, Yeshua HaMashiach, who died on the cross, rose three days later from the grave, shed his blood once and for all, so we don't have to drink human blood sacrificing people by eating their penal glands to have fake eternal life when eternal life is freely given and appropriately given. That's those that come forward with their information come from very dark areas of the illustrious council, the Illuminati, that were either born in there or adopted into it. Some are not from that section, but have researched into it, like myself that has researched into it. And those that have come out from the illustrious council have turned their lives to Christ because of what they witnessed, what they saw and experienced. That's why my belief in this is strong in it. Now, we're not here to press our faith and beliefs upon anybody. What we do, we're just here to provide the facts along with the stories. So that way, you know, it makes sense as to what people are coming forward from where they were at and where they're at now. So, peace out, everyone. Catch you on the next episode.